0: Welcome to West of North London where being top of the table was the only thing on the top of our christmas list. I'm Caleb
1: <laughs> and I'm Tim.
0: Uh Tim, we're we've reached the end of part 1 of the season, which is kind yeah. of a weird thing to say. Um it 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 might be the strangest well the strangest season since the pandemic season only a couple seasons ago. <laughs> We just can't just can't have a normal season uh for more than one, one year at a time, apparently.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it is really weird to have this big break right now. Uh it, I mean I guess some leagues already have that break, like the the German and the Spanish league, a lot of Europe has that Christmas break built in for three weeks, so they're more used to it, but you know, for the Premier League it's it's yeah it's weird i don't i don't love it i it was one of the major reasons i hated the idea of having a winter world cup is how it inter- interrupts club soccer mm-hmm. and you know we're, we, i'm sure we'll talk a lot about how it is but it also sucks because yeah I, I just want arsenal games and we're not going to get one for four weeks
0: yeah i will we'll talk about the wolves game but i felt like the uh Towards the end of it, it kind of started to set in that like this was it for a bit and I wasn't I wasn't ready for it to end. <laughs> I think by the time uh, that second goal went in, I was like, oh, I, I can we get a few more just so I, I can try to stretch this out for a month? I just want this feeling to last.
1: Well, and also as someone who is a uh, self-admitted soccer addict, uh, the last couple of days have been really dry for soccer games. It's been hard to find uh, anything mm. to watch. And, you know, mm-hmm. I try to watch about two to three games a day. So uh, yeah, it's kind of annoying in that way. And even during the World Cup, when I mean, it's hard to complain when you have such good quality. But it's only you know four games a day, and then once the quarterfinals start coming up, and things start you know rationing out, there'll be there'll be whole days without soccer, which is just wrong for me.
0: Yeah, I mean, if it's it is bizarre to think that this is. Just like, like you said, there's something always happening. And to put a pause on that at such a massive scale is, it's just weird. I, I did, and, and it seems wrong. And like the more, the more you think about it, it's like, why, why was this allowed to happen?
1: It, it really shouldn't have been allowed to happen for multiple reasons, which I'm sure uh, we'll go in later uh, in the, uh, the, the World Cup break to talk about.
0: Yeah. We might, might be bringing that up once or twice. Um <laughs> Yeah. So that's, uh, let's not postpone any further because we'll, we'll, we've got, we've got a bit to talk about this week. Uh, drinks. What do you have in your hand?
1: Well, I have a, uh, another present that a friend gave to me when they went uh, traveling to Iceland. So they got me, brought back some uh, Icelandic beer for me. It's a Einstock oh. Icelandic Arctic pale ale, apparently triple hopped for flavor and balance, which, uh, just means they added three hops, which isn't anything too exciting (laughs) because most beers (laughs) have uh, several hops added to it. Uh, I have had Einstock's uh, kind of lager before, just a very basic, uh, straightforward lager that I really like. Uh, But uh, let's see how their Arctic Pale Ale tastes. That is definitely a European pale ale.
0: <laughs> what know? makes it different?
1: Oh, just the uh, the uh, the the hoppiness that we're used to in uh, in the United States and especially on the West Coast here, where our pale ales tend to be much more uh, hop forward, very much higher in the bitterness and the uh, IBU rating. This is definitely a lot less that way, and the, the hops that they're using. They say they have Cascade in there, which sure but it's probably not the freshest of Cascade. And then um, Northern Brewer and Hallertau, which are generally used for for uh, Pilsners. Mm. So it's, it's, I mean, it's good. It's tasty. It's just, you know, I was expecting a little bit more of that hop flavor in it. And I'm just like, yeah, that's European. It's tasty. Would have again. I don't have any real complaints other than I'm a West Coast American that's used to West Coast uh, style uh, pale ales.
0: Yeah, I, I hear you. Um,
1: that and the can has a Viking on it with horns on the helmet, which as a student of medieval Scandinavian history, it, uh, it, it bothers me because Vikings did not have horns on their helmet.
0: Did anyone have horns on their helmet in that era that they're getting confused with?
1: No, it's something that Wagner did in the 1800s for his opera, and it's kind of stuck mm-hmm. as a a, a cliché. It's just one of my little weird pet peeves.
0: (laughs) Makes sense. Um, okay. I, I'm not doing anything too exciting. I, I had a couple random silver city beers left that I needed to finish off. Uh, so I went back to the alive and amplified supercharged IPA. Uh, it's a little better a second time around. Um, but I, uh, I went to the Red Hook Brew Lab earlier this week. Oh, nice. And I had uh, I had an IPA that was called the Real Aussie Hero. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to figure out, I was trying to look up why, if it had like Australian hops or why they called it that. And I can't find any description of what's in it.
1: Well, I mean, New Zealand hops are kind of all the rage right now. There's a lot of uh, different varieties of New Zealand hops that I've heard of, but I'm I'm not super familiar with Australian hops per se. And, you know, when I think of Australian beer, I definitely think of a very refreshing run of the, or not run in the mill, but straightforward lagers, you know, your fosters, that sort of thing.
0: Mm-hmm. I think I can't find the actual description, but. I do see something referencing New Zealand so maybe maybe it's poorly named
1: <laughs> maybe it's a uh, a name that would make most New Zealand people very upset <laughs>
0: uh-huh.
1: cuz they um, love they love to be conflated with Australia and New Zealand it's it's one of their oh, favorite things
0: I'm sure well I can't I can't find too much but it was a it was a pretty pretty solid uh IPA but the the star of the show that night was the pizza that I had there Oh, my, my Lord. They, they, it's a Detroit style Japanese pizza. What does Detroit style mean? So Detroit style is that square or rectangle pan Mm -hmm. where you have the crust, the crispy cheese edges. Okay. Um, kind of similar to what little Caesars traditionally is known for before they started doing their like $5 pizzas or whatever. (laughs) Um, yeah. So the. Yeah, it's the, it's definitely that crispy cheese edge that that de- mm-hmm. is Detroit style. And you typically it's a rectangle pan. Um but this is this was um Jap- Japanese and in, uh influenced, so they had like a little bit different crust. I think it had some rice flour or something in it that made it chewier. But then it had like um some sort of like Asian beef and <laughs> some i think some sort of mayo concoction it sounds weird but it was amazing
1: yeah that does sound. i, I love with you know weird in different fusion style things and i i could see how that would work very well Although, was there cheese on the pizza then
0: yeah i mean it was mostly normal except for a, for a couple um asian inspired ingredients
1: okay interesting i'll have to i'll have to check that out i've never been to the uh, brew lab there
0: yeah it's it was pretty good um and they had lots of, lots of beers to choose from that they just brew there and not, not typical red. I mean, you could get your typical Red Hook bre- beers, but they, all, they had pretty much an entire menu that's only stuff for, for that location. Yeah. Interesting. They, they don't, because they got rid of their brewery and went mega corporate, this is kind of their, um, their way of holding on to their roots of experimentation. <laughs> so they they just do, do their small batches there. So it's an interesting, interesting concept for a, a brand that is massive now, but
1: yeah.
0: Um, anyway, that was, that's my exciting beer of the week since <laughs> my beer tonight isn't less exciting. Um. What, uh? what's your Timbit this week? Uh. Well, you know,
1: I was, I've been really enjoying Arsenal being top of the table and really just this fact that I have about three to four weeks where I just get to wake up knowing Arsenal's top of the table and... Really, it's been uh, quite some time since I think we've all been able to really say that and really have the sustained amount of time. And in fact, I looked up the last time Arsenal was top of the table, which was the 2007 2008 season. So I wanted to know what were you doing in the 2008 2000 or 2007 2008 season? What, what was going on in your life the last time Arsenal was top at Christmas?
0: Uh, 2007, 2008, I was living in California. Mm -hmm. Um, I was going to audio engineering school. Uh, yeah, 2007. Yeah, I I was definitely, probably around Christmas time, I probably would have been coming back up here, but yeah, I was definitely living, living in California at that point. Does that answer your question? It's not just like what what, what what's going
1: on in your life. So you're doing audio school. Were you married? Did you have kids at the time?
0: No, no. I was. This is all pre kids. This was post college for me. Uh, I moved down to California. Uh, Yeah, did the uh, audio audio engineering school down there. I was working in uh, the film industry doing post production. Um, I was yeah probably working on some crappy horror film (laughs) nice that was generally what what a lot of the work i I got to do is uh sci-fi channel level uh horror and sci-fi movies (laughs) that sounds amazing (laughs) yeah i just I, I, Um,
1: i was i was just really thinking it was funny because it's it really has been a long time what is that that's uh what 13 14 years yeah, since Arsenal's been top at Christmas and a lot has changed in everybody's life, I assume, <laughs> including Arsenal.
0: Gosh. Yeah. What what were you up to that that long ago? Gosh, I was living
1: in Seattle. Uh, that was before Charity USA, I think. That was before uh. I was working with you at a Charity USA. So I think I was at, that must have been. Yes, I was working at Wide World Books and Maps, the travel bookstore. Uh, Around Christmas, I would bet I was in Sweden at the time. I generally traveled to Sweden over Christmas break when I could back in the before times when travel was easy. Uh, So yeah, that's probably hanging out in Sweden with some friends, drinking beers, watching the Christmas uh, day fixtures somewhere.
0: Yeah, I'm trying to remember if I was, I feel like there was a dark period where I couldn't, I didn't. I couldn't afford cable or anything, so I didn't get to see as much Arsenal in that at that time. It was like and, right when I moved home, I, I got way back into it.
1: Yeah, and streaming so was a lot, like the next year, and streaming was a lot harder to deal with in right. those days. They didn't. I mean, ESPN Plus, if I remember, around those time, ESPN Plus had some Premier League games. I think they had the Bundesliga. I remember. I'd have my boozy Bundesliga breakfast where I'd always wake up and watch Bundesliga games and make myself a uh, brunch on the weekends. But I was, and yeah, the only way I remember I'd have to go to George and the dragon to catch Arsenal games. Cause there was otherwise you had to have Fox sports world, which I was, I didn't have enough money for cable either. And let alone yeah. Fox sports world. So you'd go to the George and the dragon and either cat wake up way early and get in have your coffee and beer in the morning or watch the replay and hope no one spoiled it but it was a lot easier to have not have it spoiled because the internet was not as uh, pervasive in life
0: <laughs> that is true yeah that was uh kind of early smartphone days i think i got my first iphone around that time
1: oh i i i resisted smartphones for very long i think i got my first smartphone in like 2000 11, 12. So
0: uh-huh.
1: it was well before I had a smartphone.
0: Yeah. I was just talking to somebody about the memories of going, going to the mall to wait in a long ass line to, to get the <laughs> iPhone. Like every time you wanted a new iPhone, you had to wait in a long line. Um, uh, the good, good old days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Indeed. Well, I uh, I hope there's not as big of a gap for between the time Arsenal's on top in the Christmas and uh this time and the next, you know?
0: I care less about where we are at Christmas than I you know where we finish at the end of the season. That's like, very true. This, it is it is just a a benchmark, uh, a pit stop on the way to the ultimate glory that could could await us at the end of the season.
1: Yeah. Unfortunately I was, uh, in researching this, uh, bit, I was reading some stats and I was, I think there have been 14 teams in the history of the English first division that have, uh, failed to win the league after being top at Christmas. And this year is a little bit weird as well because it's not really a halfway point. It's, uh, what, a third of the way into the season approximately. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's definitely a, a big chunk of the season left to go. So.
0: Well, I was looking it up while you were talking and, uh, We have a minimum of 40 days where we get to celebrate being top of the league. And because we have a five point gap uh, now, it is probably going to go beyond 40 days. It has to go beyond 40 days because it's going to take two Arsenal losses. Well, yeah, it pretty much... uh, man city is going to have to pick up 5 points to to overtake us so it's going to take more than a couple games
1: yeah i mean and i mean they do have us on goal differential as well so if somehow that ends up tied they will go ahead but with the 5 points then it has to be at least two two games there's no way a draw and a win can get them anywhere
0: right so if we i don't know what their schedule looks like but we've got a game the 26th and then again on the 31st so far away. Yeah. December 31st. Man. Okay. So we've got that. It's, it's, it, we've got some time <laughs> <laughs> to say the least. And, and we get to enjoy, we get to enjoy that time. We don't, we don't have to worry about what's going to happen in the other side of the World Cup quite yet. We got, we got a, a whole month and then some.
1: Yeah.
0: I'm seeing now, I'm looking at the Arsenal uh, schedule here and I'm seeing, a couple friendlies. I did notice that in
1: here. was something called like the, is it the Emirates? It's not the Emirates cup. It's some, some sort of cup uh, competition.
0: Yeah. It was maybe United. I, I don't remember, but yeah. Uh, it looks like Lyon and Milan are on the schedule now. So yeah. it'll be interesting.
1: Interesting. It'll give us something to talk about. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I believe that first game is December 8th. So still a little ways away, a couple of weeks, but.
0: Yeah. I don't know that there'll be much to report on.
1: Yeah. I mean, I mean, it'll be kind of like a mini preseason. I don't think it's a horrible idea to keep at least keep the uh, players sharp and get some sort of match fitness if you're not playing in the World Cup. Because, you know, right. 40 days is a long time to uh, to wait in between games.
0: Totally. It, when you it, when you think about, I mean that that is a like the length of a preseason.
1: Yeah, I mean that's I mean generally right around the length of yeah exactly the the in between season in a season. So,
0: mm-hmm. well, I I hope that that allows some guys to recover, get rested up, and and maybe get further in into shape. I think for a, a person like Vieira who didn't get a full preseason. Uh, it could be very beneficial. Oh, definitely.
1: But, uh, to get sk- to get, not to get too far ahead, we did have one game <laughs> in between the la- last podcast. what do you think of the yeah. world's game?
0: Well, to, to set, set things up, um, we have to, we have to look at the, the, the run up to that game and, and that. Man City dropped points unexpectedly <laughs> um which I don't think anybody really I don't, I don't think anybody expects Man City to drop points ever but uh to see them lose to uh Brentford in the last I think it was pretty much the last minute of the game I mean it was I yeah I didn't see that final goal but I saw the the ni- 98th minute of the game I mean that they're it doesn't get any more last minute than that, right?
1: Yeah. No. I, I mean, it's absolutely brilliant. And the the funny thing is, the uh, person who scored that uh, Toonie, he uh, he's now in deep trouble for uh, gambling, and he's looking at doing a very lengthy uh, ban from the game. He has, I think, it was two hundred and thirty four counts of uh, breaching the uh, FA's gambling rules. Whew. Yeah. Oh, so. Boy. Luckily, uh, we got, we got the use out of him <laughs> before you, he, he went on break, which was with, with those two goals, but
0: yeah, I guess he can't take it back now. It already no, happened. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so we, we knew going into the wolves game that we, there was potential to really solidify our place at the top of the table. Um, and it was, uh, a game that took a little while to get going I think like for for Arsenal they they were in in control but not really uh that that threatening on goal in the first half I think there was a couple incidents that looked decent but not quite um not quite dominant I would say
1: I mean I think it was a it was kind of to be expected because I know that Wolves is bottom of the table and you know it was a bottom versus top up clash, but wolves problem hasn't been their defense in the games I've watched of them this season. It's not that like they have a very leaky defense or even really just a bad setup in most parts. It's the fact that they can't score goals that really Mm -hmm. is hurting wolves. And as that game progressed, I, you could really see that lack of cutting edge for wolves. And if we were playing a team that was more goal dangerous, I think we would have had more issues, but, uh, I wasn't too upset about our first half performance it, and we were doing everything right. We were holding the possession. I don't know what the halftime possession stat is, but I know at the end of the game, we were absolutely dominant in possession. Uh, it just looked like we were just needed that fine, like bit of magic, a little bit of something to, to, to break through, but it was a frustrating first half, but not a, uh, a, a, I don't know, like a a horrible performance. I, 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 I ate my words a little bit on the chat when we were talking about, which I thought Vieira was getting muscled off the ball quite a bit Mm -hmm. after he came on for Xhaka. And I, I, I was kind of worried about that interaction.
0: Yeah, I guess we, we should mention that Xhaka had to leave the game at around the 16th, 17th minute, I believe. Um, uh, he was apparently pretty sick and it was something that was going around the team and uh some guys were able to play through it but uh Xhaka was not so he was taken off uh, pretty early and uh Viera was brought on in his place and uh that um i think you're right though i mean he is there are moments where he looks when he, is, he gets the time and the space he looks fine but then he is able to like when he's able to to look up or get get a a, a little bit of a uh, momentum going, he 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 looks good. But you do see when he gets into close uh, or tighter spaces, he is pretty um, fragile looking, and that that is something that he's going to have to improve on. But otherwise, when he gets the um, the right spacing, he he looks pretty dangerous. So it is. It is a a difficult player to assess at this point. So I'm hopeful that he can um, push on and, and and find some form going into the uh, second third of the season. We'll call it. Yeah, and
1: I, I will say that getting back to that Jaka, I was very nervous about that because uh, you know seeing him go down. Jaka went down originally, I think, in the second minute. It was very early on. And I was mm-hmm. worried that he. I was actually worried for his World Cup. I thought he'd maybe pulled a hamstring or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I'm glad to see that it was just an, an illness. And from my, what I do understand, a lot of the players were going through it. One one person I read was reading about, said that that might have been uh, why Ben White was so petulant with the referee early on as well, as he wasn't wasn't feeling great, and so he uh, took it out on the referee.
0: I know how that goes when you're not fe- not feeling your best. It's easy to kind of be a little little snappy at the at anybody who's trying to mess with you. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. I I think the the overall mood of the game was uh, definitely felt like Arsenal was just waiting for the right moment and and had had pretty good control of things as far as possession went. Um. It, but yeah, it, it is concerning when when a player like Xhaka goes out of the game, and I think it, it took a little while for, for Arsenal to kind of find their footing without him doing what he does and, and kind of making that, that side of the field tick. Um, and then to have Vieira kind of go, uh, come in and have to play a, a slightly different role than he's he's used to playing. I think normally when he, we've seen him on on the right-hand side, he's kind of playing more in that Odegaard position where he can um, pick up a, a little bit different, different areas than Xhaka does on the left. And, uh, I think once, once they came out in the second half, the, the, the pace and the passing definitely tightened up and, uh, it, it, things looked a lot more fluid. So I don't know what, what the exact adjustment was, but it, it did feel like things just got a little, um, uh, zippier as far as moving the ball around and that, that made a big difference.
1: Well, I mean, it, 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 I think it also has to do with the fact that it's really hard to change game plans once the game is going. It's hard to get all mm-hmm. the players on the same page, pass down instruction. You can yell from the sideline as much as you want, but it's for once once one player gets removed, and especially because I don't really see Xhaka and Vera as like for like, you know what I mean? They're right. not mm-hmm. playing the, the same sort of game. So I think it was more a matter of getting through that first half and kind of clicking through and then getting to halftime, which they could actually work on what their actual strategy for the game was and give the players the uh, specific instructions that they needed. And I think it really showed in then in the second half where, uh, you know, starting with Odegaard's goal in the uh, 50th minute or 50, what is it? 50 something minute. You
0: know, thinking back on it now, I, I I wasn't watching the, I wasn't watching the game. When Jocko was taken off, but looking at what our subs were, I really think it would, probably should have been Tierney coming in, and Zinchenko pushing up a line. Yeah, but I, I got to think that was that was down to Tierney maybe not feeling well either, since there were some players that were <laughs> several players that were feeling it.
1: Yeah, I wonder, or if, I wonder if uh, uh, I almost said Vanger uh, <laughs> or Teta, <laughs> uh saw something. In, in a weakness or maybe a, an opportunity in the, the Wolves lineup mm-hmm. when he thought this, this would be a good opportunity to, to, to get Vieira in. I mean, it would, it'd would be a kind of weird timing because there's no real momentum to this. Cause you know, now we're off for 40 days or whatever, but mm-hmm. maybe I, it could also be that Arteta just saw something, a weakness in Wolves that he would, thought Vieira would do better than uh, pushing engine Chico.
0: Yeah, I, I am. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking it may be the the sickness thing, but who knows? Yeah, I haven't
1: seen any concrete reporting on who actually got it, who didn't, and all that. But
0: yeah, I don't know. But uh, yeah, you, you could be right. It just you you can never read the the tactical mind of Arteta. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it did it did finally come to fruition in the second half, and I I felt like it was a long time coming by the time they did score. Uh, And it was, it was, it was Odegaard's day. I think he, he gets a lot of, um, I don't know. I I don't know. Criticism is the right word, but he's, it does seem like people are, are constantly expecting him to be a little more ruthless in, in the positions that he, he's able to get himself into with the ball. And, um, Many times we have seen him kind of be of two minds when he gets into those dangerous areas where he is wanting to both score and set people up at the same time <laughs> and somehow ends up trying to do both, which means he does neither. And uh this was this was a much more uh decisive um Odegaard and and you would definitely hope so for the positions he found himself in because it was just it basically tap tapping for that first goal. Um, and if it wasn't, if it, if he wasn't there, it was going to be Saka who was just right there standing next to him. So a yeah. uh, good opportunity for both of them really.
1: Yeah. I mean, and I think I've been less critical of Odegaard cause I, I really don't see him as a goal scoring midfielder. I really do feel he's, yeah. he's a, uh, a De Bruyne style a facilitator. And I think he's been doing an excellent job. I i I've, he's been involved now in nine goals or assists this season. I think that's the, uh, the uh, stat I saw and I could be a hundred percent wrong on that because I should do research on these things before I speak. <laughs> but uh, he's been a involved in several opportunities and I think he's been doing a good return for what he does. And I think he creates dangerous positions and all that, but it, for it is also nice to see him get on the score sheet, if nothing else to uh, kind of quiet the, uh, the naysayers and, Absolutely. you know, give him his, his opportunities. And, you know, he took that opportunity. It was a tap in, but you know, you I've seen tap ins missed and <laughs> so it's, <laughs> it's, 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 you have to be in the right position as well. So yeah, I've, I'm, I, of the players this season, I've been extremely happy with Odegaard and, you know, we've heard his name for so long and just, you know, it's, he's been on the radar both, not as an Arsenal player, and now on the Arsenal, that you forget he's still a young, developing player. And I think he is really... has the, the opportunity to develop into a really, really, really good midfielder. I think we're seeing sparks of it right now.
0: If he can be a goal threat on top of everything that he already does, it's just... it adds to the profile of a really good, young player. And he... You know, he is the leading goal scorer for the team all of a sudden which is crazy to think he he leads with six goals um and he's he's captain right place right time and and so we've seen that with uh uh Xhaka already as well and just kind of finding that the right positions in the box and letting the ball come to him and not trying to do too much and uh that that positioning is really uh key because players are kind of ex- putting that the ball into that area with the expectation that somebody's going to be there. And if you can be calm and and, and take your opportunities, you're going to get some decent uh, shots on goal. And this this was uh, no different from, like I said, what we've seen from Xhaka in his runs as well. And you don't get these easy tap-ins without some work being done leading up to it. And I think the interplay uh between Jesus and Vieira was really the um the thing that made this all work because I, it 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 was pretty a pretty slick pass to get vera in into space and and Vieira getting the um run to the byline you know we've seen uh we've seen man city do that sort of thing time and time and time again that's kind of their bread and butter for a while was getting those uh cutbacks from the byline and um i remember early on in the uh you know emery era we were doing that quite a bit as well i was we were cut, team cut back, uh <laughs> for a while and uh it it, it is a pretty um Useful tactic, and I it you know, if you can get a shot, uh, if you can get a, a cross across the face of goal like this, this one was that it, it's even easier. But, um, you know, Odegaard being whether he's posting up at the penalty spot or charging at the goal, he seems to be just have a good midfielder's instinct on when to make those runs and where to be. And that it, I don't know if you can really teach that. I mean, it's just it, it's that that idea of that he is always looking for those gaps and always looking for those spaces to run into. And that, that is something that's, um, if you're going to be a top level player, you have to kind of just know that without really having to think about it too much.
1: Yeah. And it's, and I think it is nice okay. that Ar- Arsenal's getting kind of a spine of players or a, a grouping of players, I guess, who are, uh, all, Portugal phones. I don't know the right way. Not a Francophone. They all speak Portuguese. I don't know the uh, <laughs> the, the fancy word for that. And so you have, you know, Vieira, Martinelli, and uh, Jesus on that front line. Did you see that, that uh, Jonathan? I said Jesus on the first time asking. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, having all those three players kind of in that attacking band speaking the same language, and I think that can only be helpful in their understanding of each other
0: absolutely yeah um so yeah one goal goes in uh, about the uh what was it the 50 something 54th yeah, minute notes. 54th I, there it is i looked it up right and there. uh yeah pretty pretty well controlled after that there was certainly some yellow cards flying there were uh <laughs> i i don't know if the I, you know, I feel like Arsenal got away with some in this game uh, Mm -hmm. and that's a rare thing for us, but do you, do you feel like that those, those sorts of calls go your way more because we're in the, we're at the top of the table? Is that, is that a factor in your mind?
1: Uh, I don't really, I don't know. Like I, I, I generally do have faith in referees that I don't think they purposely take those types of things into, or even. Uh, first level subconsciously take those in i'd hope not um i do think it's just one of those things that we you know it's the rub of the green sometimes the calls go against you and sometimes they go for you and i think we tend to remember those games where they go against us and those are the ones mm-hmm. that stick in your craw but it's games like these where the i feel the calls definitely went for us and there were a couple couple uh calls that when it was when there were fouls against. Uh, Wolves, I was expecting us to get a yellow card and we didn't. And they were getting those yellow cards and those calls called against them. Uh, mm-hmm. So I I think more than the referee biased as top of the table Arsenal, because I, I still don't think it's really cemented in everybody's mind that, you know, this Arsenal is the real deal. It's not the, the same as a, a Man City or Liverpool at this point. I think we have to have a, a season or two of this type of, these types of performance to really cement people in as a uh, quote unquote top team, even though they're top Mm. of my heart. I, I, I I just do think it's one of those things where I find these, these things hopefully even out to an extent.
0: Yeah. it, It, for all the times we've been bitten by bad refereeing, it is nice when we get these, these games where um, it wasn't necessarily decided by a penalty or anything like that, but it just felt like they, we got the benefit of the doubt or, and if there was anything that, um, it, it did seem like they were getting carded earlier than later than, you know, it, so I, I don't know what, what the, what goes through the referee's mind, but it is nice once in a while when it, uh, sways in our favor, but. I I don't really feel like that was a deciding factor in this game by any means. It was just kind of a noticeable when the yellow cards were piling up on the Wolves' side.
1: Well, I mean, I do wonder not that uh, the referee was taking into account the uh, the position of Arsenal as top of the table, but maybe the position of Arsenal as dominating the game. And I think Mm -hmm. as a game flow thing, it was pretty obvious, even though we weren't scoring, that we were pretty dominant. I think that might play into referee's hands that you know a a team that's feeling behind in the momentum might turn to fouling more and do do more fouls. And so he's trying to penalize that and stop that from happening as a referee. Mm -hmm. So that it it may have been more the position we had, we're holding in the game that was influencing the calls as opposed to the position we had on the table.
0: Yeah. And it, it did, I'm sure for, for any opposing team, when we start to kind of really click it, it, I'm sure it feels like there is little that they can do to stop some of our players, so they have to start going to those more dangerous measures to make plays in the game, or at least try to control what Arsenal's doing. And so you, you do get those situations where um, the pro- <laughs> the professional fouls are coming out a little bit more than they were <laughs> in the first half. They're kind of playing tired. They're not quite able to keep up and. Uh, you have to resort to some more, uh, of the dark arts, uh, so to speak. Well, dark arts usually implies like people are kind of, um, winding people up and that sort of thing. So maybe that's the wrong term, (laughs) but, uh, you know, just, just going to the, the more, uh, rough play to try to stay in the game. And that is, uh. You, you do need to control that as a referee because that can get out of control pretty quickly when one team is kind of feeling like they're falling behind and can't stay in it. They're going to continue to resort to that unless you draw a line somewhere. And I think the, the referee did a good job at that.
1: And, uh, you know, speaking of the dominance of the team, that, that second goal, would you, would, would you think of Odegaard's second, uh, second goal there?
0: Yeah, I think this is another great example of being in the the right place at the right time and and also just the uh the quality of the play up or leading up to that with uh you know Martinelli getting uh a decent turnover or you know for, forcing things to happen in in the final third and uh his backheel passes in Chenko is beautiful <laughs> and g- getting um getting into the that uh space and and, and making the most of it i, I feel like that's been um, one of the biggest changes in the team this year is when they get these opportunities when they're getting free in those spaces and uh, they just look a, like they they aren't they're they're never out of ideas like they're just they're able to look up and see five six guys in front of them and it's just like well pick your pick your poison here because there's just so many options to to aim for And in this case it was really just, put it, put it into another dangerous spot, aim for that, uh, that penalty area. And Odegaard was, was there waiting for it. It gets blocked, goes out to Martinelli, whose, um, shot is blocked. And it, it, it's, uh, it, not an easy strike for, uh, Odegaard in this case, but he, he hits it cleanly and, and finds that, that hole. And it's, it's nice to see a, a player like him just get get his due, and I think that's going to be something that keeps him motivated as he isn't going to the World Cup. I hope that, that mom, he doesn't lose any of that momentum uh, through the, the break here and is able to kind of pick up where he left off on the other side.
1: Yeah, and I, 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 I think it does show the overall team mentality of just keep on trying and, and take these opportunities and keep on pushing and not take it for granted you know, as an overall thing, uh, I've mentioned it before, but you hear what, uh, what the players said after they watched the, uh, the all or nothing documentary and their, their overarching thing was just how disappointed they were in that they had this opportunity to be in the champions league and they just let it slip through their fingers. Mm -hmm. And I think that goal kind of is a microcosm of exactly that, that it is a, uh, a, a chance for Arsenal to just take these opportunities, take this time to to score these goals, take win these games, and they're they're just going to do everything they can and to to take the opportunities given to them, you know?
0: Yeah, I think you're 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 right, and that the spirit of the team has changed, and then the the ability to just really Dominate and control teams like the the fact that they can keep the ball in the opponent's half for so long, and then when they get these chances where they can get crosses into those space those those dangerous spaces, they if they don't make the first shot, they're going to come at you with two or three more. Like it, it is kind of a barrage when they get into the the right mode and and, and the, the passes are really flowing. It is difficult for a team like Wolves even who who was pretty decent at, in their defense throughout the first half and um when you get a team pinned back it, it seems like Arsenal has no problem just prodding and kind of passing around teams until they get the right opportunities and then that that moment when they're able to uh turn the screw and 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 find the pass it, it is it's beautiful to be seen because it, once the ball starts pinging around in there it's just a matter of time until they they find that that goal and this is uh, starting to look kind of like a good pattern of play. I mean, this is very similar to uh, the first goal. I mean, it's just that that work down the left hand side and then the ability to get across into a dangerous spot. It's just it's it's like they would they drew it up on the the practice field. They they really have got some of these these routines down really well, and you can see the um, repetition is really paying off.
1: Yeah, and I. I I think it, it it comes down to these players having the the quality to make this. I think I think you're really starting to see Arsenal not just play some good games, which has been previous years where we we have some good games, we have some bad games, and kind of opponents. It doesn't really matter. It's just more Arsenal streakiness. Whereas mm-hmm. now you're seeing Arsenal really dominate the games that they should be dominating because as much praise as I was giving uh, Wolves earlier about they're not that bad as bad as uh, their record suggests they are a team we should have 60% of the possession with and we did and Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I as a fan as someone watching the games am coming more and more to expect that and not be fearful about it you know and there's many years of Arsenal training to have me still have fear but it's becoming more of an expectation that we're going to ha- be dominant or, uh, about those teams. Even the, uh, the draw against, uh, Southampton, right. That's the draw we had. Uh, yeah. I I did feel like we, we did have dominance in that game. It was just, uh, maybe not the, the best scoring game we've had.
0: Mm-hmm. I think it, many people said we were in the, uh, United game as well. And it's not, it, it's to be able to, not win games but be in them from the beginning to the end i think that is that that uh comp- just looking to build on on a more of a complete game and not just a a goal here and there but really being able to control the pace control the flow and um it's not always going to work it's not always going to be easy but Finding ways to break teams down and, and and get goals in different different ways, and that that's key, I think, to um, finding success is that you're you're not going to score the same way every time, and sometimes you have to switch your tactics mid game, and uh, we're getting goals from different players in different areas, and that's that's the important thing is that it's never uh, the same people doing the same thing, and that unpredictability is uh, it's something we've lacked, and 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 now it's it is nice to see different different players popping up and, and taking the reins when, when needed. And so it's, it's not down to, uh, an Aubameyang to score 90% of the goals or something, you know, it's coming from all over the field.
1: Yeah. And I, I think, uh, as we've been having this, this period of success, we're going to see a teams play a lot more like wolves than not going forward. And, you mm-hmm. know, you, we'll still, we still have, you know, the cities and the, uh, United's and, well, shoot, maybe even Newcastle's these days uh, coming uh, and playing toe to toe with us. But for the most part, these teams are going to try and sit back, try and hold the pressure, try and hit us on the counter. And the fact that we can be successful in these games is is super important.
0: Yeah, definitely, and that is that is the the key to to breaking teams down is um, being persistent and and taking advantage of the space they're giving you. And it, it seems like Arsenal are finally have the talent and the the tactics to actually do that without being deterred as easily as they were in previous seasons. Um, all right. So that was the, that was the last, last game for a bit, as we said. And, uh, now everybody has, has reconvened in their respective camps, uh, (laughs) whether that's sticking around with Arsenal or, um, Well, I guess even even the the players who are are behind are are on vacation right now and and taking a a break. So uh, some players join their national teams for World Cup duty and the rest are are taking a a short break before reconvening for Arsenal uh, mid-season camp in, in, where did we decide? Uh, The United Arab Emirates, I I think it was
1: there. It's on the Arsenal site. Let me just check on that
0: but yeah they're um they're going to be doing a warm weather training camp and keeping those players as fresh as possible and uh now now the hope is that no matter what happens our players come come back unscathed uh you you hope that you you get a, a decent run you get some good uh experience for these young players you get some, maybe a couple guys that come back as uh national heroes but what we really don't want to see is any injuries or anything that will impact the rest of the the club season so uh that's that's the biggest concern right now is just coming back without any uh any harm done
1: it is the uh dubai super cup so it's in dubai
0: dubai right okay
1: so they'll be uh not too far away i wonder if any of the uh, players that are playing in the world cup are going to meet up i wonder if uh team's when does the group stage end?
0: Well, I'm sure once they get knocked out, it's easy to just hop over and start. Yeah,
1: I mean there might be some method to that madness there as well.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: To keep the club together. But anyway, sorry that was a sidetrack.
0: Well, uh, we we should take a maybe a short break here, uh, and then when we come back, we'll we'll jump into your questions, which are pretty much all about the World Cup. So we're going to um, jump into that and uh, answer your questions when we get back. So stick with us. All right, welcome back from the break. We've got some questions from you. But before we get to that, I should let you know how you can join in on that Uh on the questions for next episode. Uh, Twitter is one of them. If you're still on there, we are at W of N London. Uh, if you want to email us, westofnorthlondon@gmail.com at gmail.com is the place to do that. Voicemails can be go to anchor.fm slash westofnorthlondon slash message. And Discord is the place that you can uh, find us and interact with us. Send in your questions, which is where all our questions come from this week. Uh, if you want to join the Discord the link can be found in the show notes. So go ahead and click on the link and, and join us, especially are, as we get into world cup. It's a great place to to meet up and, and chat about the games. Are
1: we going to get one of those blue check marks on our uh, Twitter account?
0: Yeah, it's not worth the money.
1: <laughs> I don't know. There might be some uh, spoof accounts that start popping up.
0: Let them, <laughs> let them come. Um, We've got questions from you, and the first one is really a, a great uh, overall discussion of the World Cup and what we think is going to happen. So from Jonathan King Manilas, he asks us four questions about the World Cup, and I'm, I think I'm ready for this. The first one, who's going to win it?
1: Uh it's going to be Germany or France. I really do believe that's kind of where my heart is going on that. I mean, it's interesting. I've been kind of staring and thinking about it and there isn't normally when the world cup comes, I feel like there is like a really strong favorite and I don't think there's a really strong favorite. I think a lot of the uh, usual suspects have a lot of pluses or minuses, but I do, I know I'm biased because I watch a lot of Bundesliga, but you look at that, that Germany national team and it, it's, it is stacked from top to bottom. And I think another thing that's interesting is 17 of the 26 players on that squad are, uh, from Bayern Munich. So it's almost mm. like a club team playing in the world cup. And I think that can bring a lot of advantages, especially because they are just coming off their first part of the season. So they've been playing together and Bayern is really starting to do Bayern things in the Bundesliga right now. They're, you know, back to dominating teams. And so, I I think that's a very 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 strong team. I'm trying to remember who's in their group in Ger- with Germany. Well, I mean, it's ex- it's a pretty tough group. It's Spain, Costa Rica, Germany, Japan. But I think Germany could expect to get out of that group with a uh, little fuss.
0: Yeah, and I think Spain Spain and Germany will will have a pretty easy uh, yeah escape.
1: And so uh, that's. That's kind of where I think I'm going in Germany and maybe France. What about you?
0: Yeah. France, uh, France has a pretty, pretty easy group, I would say. Oh yes. So they, they probably have the most, uh, I, I was going to say it's, it's probably going to be France or Brazil. I think Brazil's just pretty, another really stacked group. Um, it comes down to them gelling, uh, mm-hmm. and, and same with France to a degree. Like, I think both of those teams, um, when you look at how they perform in world cups, it really comes down to the, like that individual talent coming together at the right time and, and finding that, that groove quickly. And, and, um, we've seen, we've seen both France and Brazil when they've had really good lineups completely melt down. Hmm. And, and that, that is, uh, it it almost seems like it's roll of the dice like you just you don't know which one it, it could be a, a single player that like kind of um tips the scale in the wrong direction like you've got you got some big personalities and if you can't get them um all pulling in the same direction i think that that can really work against you but um yeah it's tough there i i i would like to see um France, I I always enjoy watching them, but I, I'm kind of partial to Bra- Brazil uh, this year. I think they've got just a ton of talent, so um, I'm going Brazil.
1: I I mean I think it's interesting because Brazil's group is trickier than I think a lot of people are thinking. Mm-hmm. You know I, that that Switzerland mm-hmm. team. Is a very handy team. You, you know, I've, I've watched quite a few of their games just because of uh, a always starts for them, and I always like to see our players when there's an international break. Uh, that Serbia team is a, a mug. I don't think it's an easy team to break down and defeat. And even Cameroon, I think Cameroon has some handy players. It's not a. a I, I don't think it's going to be an easy walkover group like some of the others, and it, it could cause some problems for Brazil. I, as you said, it's, it's going to be the squad cohesion. There's always that, uh, that issue with Brazil. I think, I mean, obviously you have those players, you have the Neymars. I mean, I, I want all, all the good things for Martinelli and, uh, Jesus, but, uh, I just, I, I, I do worry about that squad.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and that's why I'm like, is it going to be France that implodes or or, or <laughs> <laughs> Brazil? Uh, but they both have the talent to really to go all the way. So it, it's 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 a it's a toss up really in my mind.
1: Yeah. If I were a betting person, I would bet on one of either Brazil or France completely exploding in this World Cup. And
0: <laughs> yes,
1: <laughs> so. Uh,
0: so second question is, who do you actually want to win? Who do I want
1: to win? I mean that's an interesting question but I think it really does come down to I, Argentina. I I have mm. such a soft spot in my heart for Messi. I want him to win mm-hmm. his World Cup just cuz he has all the plaudits internationally and you know especially in Europe everyone really considers him one of the best players but back home because he left Argentina so, at such a young age and he hasn't brought them nationally the success that they were hoping for he gets a a lot of stick and i would really just want would just warm my heart to see argentina 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 take a take the world cup him lead it in probably one of his last world cups and really uh i don't know cement his legacy back home
0: mhm i i mean i know you're not a, a, a us fan i think i would be um it would be really far fetched to think that the us team is going to even come close to winning anything here um i would just like to see them get deep uh but yeah they're not going to win this thing um if if it's not if it's not one of those te- those kind of top ranked teams well I, I i guess i i really would like to see the the england redemption arc for after the, after the, the, the arrows and, and that disappointment, I think it would be interesting to see them make a unexpected run at the final and, and pull it out.
1: I would be so happy for Saka. I, I, I would love mm-hmm. to see Saka holding that world cup. The flip side of it is I would hate to see hurricane be happy. Uh, yes. And the, it's a, England's always been a hard one for me. I mean, I'm going to take aside the fans, uh, for now, but the England team is a lot like the U S team for me, which is there are so many players that I, you know, we can wake out despise and then suddenly (laughs) I have to root for them. Like Uh (laughs) it's, it's, it's hard. There's so many players on that team. I do, do don't, don't love. Uh, and I don't know, like they're, I'm sorry. I know we do have a couple English national team fans, but like they're, there's a set of sense of entitlement that the English national team fans have, which I think outpaces maybe their actual world standing. But that being said, if they win world cup, maybe they have the, uh, the right to those, uh, those feelings of entitlement. So,
0: yeah, I just think as, as far as, a a narrative arc and, and seeing them come back from their Euro loss and, and find a way to make a good run and, give those young, young players, I forget the hurricanes and the Maguires and those, those jerks, but you know, <laughs> there, there are some good young players in that team that I'd like to see get some success and kind of make up for their loss. Um, but going back to the U S for a second, just if they can get a good run in here, they also have to make up for not even making the world cup last year, last time around. Yeah. And, and you have to have a good showing in this tournament because you're going to be hosting next time around and so you get that automatic well I how does that work if you have multiple all three of them. countries all they get all the, get to go in? The
1: bid. that happened in the euros when they had the joint euro bids both the okay. countries so they'll get their automatic bids uh, the thing about the us is that they just just objectively they haven't looked good coming into the world cup and no they do have a very tricky group i think Yes, that England game is one of the hardest England game is going to be hard. Wales with Gareth Bale, I, I, he lifts himself to another level when he plays for that Welsh national team. And I was listening to a podcast where they were interviewing a, uh, a Iranian uh, observer and they are pretty, uh, pretty hopeful about the World Cup. Uh, they have uh, some good players. Uh, they they brought back the Carlos Kirosh who uh, you may remember as a manager, he was their manager. He left for a couple months and has come back and they're hopeful that he can bring in some of the uh, the structural uh, things that they need. And, you know, against the U.S., you know, very famously, they beat the U.S. in 98 in that World Cup. And the, it is quite, I think, much more meaningful for the Iranian players to win that game than I think the U.S. Is really gives it credit for. So in their minds, it's very much a Derby. So all three of the games are tricky. So it really could be a disastrous World Cup for the U.S.
0: Yeah, I think it's, it is. Uh, it is. I was trying to explain to my dad, who's really excited that there's a couple Sounders in the team, and so he's get gets a little more um, invested in the national team now that there's something that he can kind of latch on to. But I was trying to explain to him that it's not, it is It is a, a group of a lot of individual talent that has not had any opportunity really to piece it all together. And I, I think that that is down to coaching and that is not something we're going to sort out in this World Cup. But um, if they can rise above that and kind of push past the, the coaching situation and put, push past some of these tactics, um, Maybe they could have enough of a good run to have some momentum going into the next cycle, but I I'm going to be shocked really if they get out of the group. Uh, I mean this, that's that's kind of where I'm at.
1: This U.S. team coming into this World Cup is definitely the one that has had the most players really playing in Europe that I remember really playing in quality leagues, not mm-hmm. just Europe. Uh, a lot of times they're just you know either playing for MS or the, uh, the, the last time when we had a bunch of kind of not German mercenaries, that sounds wrong because they are American. So I don't know, but it, it yeah. didn't have as strong connection. And I think this is the first time we've having people. I mean, McKinney, I'm, I'm so high on McKinney's stock. I, I think he's going to be a great player. You have Pulisic, uh, you have you know the Aronson. You have some of these players that are playing really well in top leagues, I think, and on top teams. Other than, I mean, Aronson, obviously, no offense to Leeds, is, <laughs> but still, it's in the Premier League, so it's not a complete mug. Uh, yeah. I think there, there definitely is some talent there. I, but I think you hit the nail on the head. The US's biggest failing is going to be the coaching. Their coach now, I forget his name. He looks like a lizard person. Uh, he, uh, yeah, he he isn't necessarily on the cutting bleeding edge of coaching and tactics and things like that. He's very much Mm -hmm. an American coach. And until we start getting coaches that are much more uh, nuanced, I think it's going to be hard to see real progression.
0: Yeah, it is frustrating to see this group of talented individuals come together and really just have nothing to show for it. I mean, they've, they've had like, decent success in, in CONCACAF, but as far as their world cup run in, they've just looked pretty flat and that's, it's hard to get excited about that. Uh, I, I will of course watch every game that I can, but, uh, it's hard to get excited right now, but they could, they could turn If they come out strong against, uh, Wales in that first game, then it's, it is going to be, uh, I think it's going to be huge for their momentum. If they can make that sort of statement that, that the, run into the world cup, wasn't an indicator of where they're actually at. If, but if they, if they look as bad as they did, um, yeah, I think they're, they, they may not make it out of the group. So,
1: yeah, I mean, they're in the U S is lucky in certain ways about how their games fall, which is that starting with Wales, I think is pretty ideal. It's a winnable mm-hmm. game. If they win that game, that England game doesn't seem as do or die. Right. And they could still, Possibly lose that game and then come in and uh, just need the win against Iran. So it's a favorable scheduling, as it were.
0: Um, yeah. So we'll see. We'll see how that all plays out. Uh, golden boot winner hmm. is the next question.
1: Uh, Podolski. <laughs> I do. <laughs> Or not Podolski? <laughs> sorry, uh,
0: like we're pulling out old. Players. Oh God,
1: why am I forgetting his name? Uh, Bayern Munich player, plays for Poland. Uh, used to play for Dortmund. I can see his face. Lewandowski. Lewandowski. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I'm, I would say he's he's got a good chance.
1: I don't know why I said Podolski. Lewandowski is a is a, a kind of a my little hot take tip on that.
0: Uh huh. He knows how to score some goals. Yes. Um I I would say it's probably could it could be Mbappe. Uh oh, especially with that yeah. group. Yeah.
1: He could probably put three, four in against Australia by themselves who look garbage coming in. So
0: Yeah. I think he's got the, the team around him to really set him up pretty well. So that that would be my guess. Um and then last but not least, the dark dark horse team of the tournament.
1: Oh, I have a fun hot take on this, which is I'm, I mean, you have your usual suspects and I mean, I don't know if Portugal is even considered a dark horse or Belgium, who I think is just kind of past their cycle, that sort of thing. Yeah.
0: better i bump for Belgium, but yeah,
1: I'm going to go with Ghana. I would love to mm. see Ghana. I would love to see a team from Africa win the world cup. I would think Ghana is feeling uh, really good. They have, or sorry, not Ghana, Senegal, Senegal. Sorry. I am. Way too far. Senegal. Senegal's <laughs> won the African Cup of Nations. They have a great players. They have an, an interesting group. I think I I I really can see them going far.
0: I I the the team that I think will go far farther than people expect. Um, I mean, I'm just gonna before I make this statement, I want to make sure I, yeah, uh. I think I think Canada is going to do better than people expect.
1: Oof. I I do agree. I do like. I mean, Canada de- definitely has like their once in a generation kind of talent coming in. Mm-hmm. They really dominated Concacaf. Let's be honest. Uh, they have a couple world class players. It's I, I I I do agree with you. I can. I mean, I can't see Canada winning it really, but I can no. see them going pretty far.
0: Yeah, I think they've got a decent group. Uh they got Belgium, Morocco, Croatia. I mean, that seems like a, a a group they can get out of potentially and um yeah, who knows what what lies beyond that, but they do have a ta- a talented group and I think definitely a team that would be underestimated going into this World Cup for sure.
1: Yeah, so I mean, it's on to the dark horses from outside the 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 major powers. I think uh it's it's very interesting because you know usually it's a South American or a European team that really wins it and goes far but I think there there are a lot of teams outside of those regions that are really picking up the pace and so I think it's in that way I think it's going to be a very fun and interesting World Cup.
0: Mhm. Um and then we've got uh, another another question uh from SLMI uh, how many goals can Arsenal players score? So let me just pull up my list of Arsenal players so I don't forget anybody. <laughs> uh, we can we can probably say Ramsdale and, and Turner are not going to score any goals.
1: Except for possibly, are we counting own goals?
0: <laughs> Potentially. We can count own goals. <laughs> um, so that leaves us with Martinelli, Jesus... Tamiasu Saliba, Jaka, Party Saka, and White. Goal scorers, realistically, uh, probably only four of those guys.
1: Yeah, I mean it depends. I, I mean, I think uh, uh, the obvious ones are they. Like, I think Jesus is going to have a pretty good World Cup. I think he is coming in with form. I think he has a town around him and. I don't think he's going to make the same or have the same performance he did the last world cup. Mm-hmm. Obviously uh Sokka is uh, I, I feel like he's going to get a couple goals in this world cup. I really think again, he's on form. He's in the position. I think he, he has the ability to score Martinelli. I don't know if he's going to get any time. I'm, I think he, Martinelli is going to be definitely on the fringes of that Brazil team. So I don't, I worry about that. The other goal scorer I think might be uh, a surprising one would be, uh, uh, Saliba.
0: Mm, I think yeah. he might
1: come pitch in with a, a, uh, you know, a headed corner or something like that with one or one or possibly two goals.
0: Yeah. I would say of this group, I would say Saka and party are good for a couple. Jesus probably two or three himself. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I know Xhaka plays pretty offensively for this the Swiss team, but I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not I'm not sure how prolific of a goal scorer he's been for them.
1: He's been all right, and I think he will. Uh, he's another player I totally blinked on mentioning, but I think he he's good for a goal. I think there's you know to answer the question more roundly. I think there's a good chance we have. About nine goals, maybe, in Arsenal players in this World Cup, mm-hmm. which would be, yeah. you know, around the top leading scorer if they were all one player. So,
0: <laughs> yeah, I'd I'd love to see uh, Martinelli have a really good World Cup. I think that he's um, he just has so much to gain from getting the call up, um, and I think you know of of the defenders, I think Saliba and White getting. These these call ups, I think they're it's huge for their careers as well, and uh, I'm not sure as far as the depth goes, how much time Saliba and White are going to see in the in the in their respective teams. But um, given the opportunity, I think they they both have a lot of talent and can bring something to the table. So uh, whether they're scoring goals or not, I think they they are uh, they have a lot to gain from this.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I do think Saliba is going to be seeing significant time in this World Cup, as I understand. He's one of the the, the top choices for center backs for that French team. So I, I expect him to see a significant time. You know, White, probably less so, unless Maguire has a complete
0: breakdown, which I wouldn't throw I, that out. It wouldn't shock me. No. I mean, <laughs> yeah, and it, it's... Um, I think the... Jesus actually is is another player that I think could really benefit from a good World Cup run. Just the way that he has been playing lately, he just needs to kind of get some goals. And whether that's with Arsenal or not, I, I don't think it matters. I think he just has to score and kind of get it out of his system. So I, I, I'm hopeful that Jesus gets at least two, three, four goals in this tournament so that he can find his way back to his, his form that he had at the beginning of the season.
1: I also think that, uh, he has the potential to be a golden boot winner. I think he, uh, depending on how Brazil's playing and if he can really just pick it up, he, he'll have the people around him. That being said, the big, you know, elephant in the room for that team is Neymar and whether Neymar yeah. will allow someone else to, uh, to take the, uh, the, the plaudits or whether they do kind of what, uh, uh, you know Sweden does when Zlatan plays which is just he Neymar dominating the the team and the possession and the team looks to put everything through Neymar which I think would be unfortunate but that's kind of what Neymar does
0: yeah that that's the recipe for that implosion really i just feel like if he if he can find a way to set him his his ego aside a little bit and be a team player that there's so much talent there that they could really go deep but if he if he starts needing just being needy in general then it's going to be tough for them to overcome his his personality really uh there's just there's just not enough room for all those personalities if you have one guy that's trying to suck all the air out of the room
1: yeah and then you also get really easy and predictable as a team if you have uh, everything going through one one player, as I'm very familiar yeah. with the Swedish national team. <laughs>
0: um, and uh, finally, we have <laughs> this is this is kind of a world, a World Cup adjacent. This is this is all about the, the, the players that aren't going to the World Cup, really. Um, Joe Robinson writes in, says, having seen that seventh tier Ashton United have put in a loan request for Holland, would you let Odegaard go on a World Cup loan and where would you send him?
1: I mean, the first, uh, first answer is easy, I think, which is no, never, not in a million no. years.
0: Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I just feel like you, we got to wrap them up.
1: Yeah. But that being said, in
0: the spirit of the question,
1: I was kind of looking through what leagues are even playing through the World Cup. And it's, you know, it's a lot of interesting teams. But uh, I did realize that uh, my uh, one of my favorite teams, Cambridge United, in the, the lower divisions of England, is going to be playing through the World Cup. And if uh, if I had uh, Odegard go anywhere, I'd love him to go to Cambridge and uh, help him with their season, get them uh, moving up the leagues a little.
0: Yeah, I, I'm not as familiar with some of these lower division teams, but if you if, if you were to ask whether anybody should go out on loan, I would say not anybody that's in that our first team. I just based on where we're <laughs> where we're at in the table. And uh, what our aspirations are, I feel like you cannot take any risks with anybody that's not in the World Cup, World Cup because we're already putting so many of our top players at risk just by doing that. We're going to try to keep as many people healthy as possible.
1: Yeah. I mean, Cambridge United, who was formerly owned by Adrian Hanauer of the Sounders. Hey. That's how I started following them.
0: I, I would be nervous for a player like Holland to go... To drop down like that. He he may dominate, but you also got a bunch of guys that are kind of part-time players that are just hacking away at him. You know, It's like, they don't know how to stop a player like that. So they're going to resort to whatever they can pull out of their, uh, trick book, which it probably isn't very deep.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, I imagine, uh, those leagues, I know those leagues are a little bit more, uh, rough, more physical would be the polite way to uh-huh. put it. And, you know, when you have a player of that talent coming through, yeah, as you said, the only way to stop him is to kick the crap out of him. I was, I was rewatching the, uh, what was it? The, uh, 1982 world cup. They have a highlights or like a a film of the world cup where they show, show all the games. And that was the, uh, one of the ones where Maradona was playing. And basically the uh, highlight reel of Maradona was him being just like absolutely brutally hacked to death. And this was (laughs) in an era when they were much more lenient about those types of calls. (laughs) So Uh it was just, they, they couldn't stop him. The only way to stop him was to just literally break his ankle, you know, just go in hard and take him out. And it was like brutal foul after brutal foul. So, gosh, I imagine if uh, let's so Odegaard because I think Odegaard his play is less about beating other players and doing mazy dribbles as it is like precision passing and and intelligent positioning. So he Mm -hmm. might be able to survive. But that being said, I think it also means that. He would be much more dependent about the talent around him, and it might just be a waste of his talent if he's pinging these balls to places that the players don't even have an idea to be in.
0: Yeah, it would be. I'm sure it would be frustrating for a player like him who kind of expects a certain level of effort and quality around him. So, yeah, if you're if you're putting the passes in the right place and they just can't finish what you're you're setting up, it's I'm sure it would get it would get old real quick. All right. Well, I think that's, that's it for our questions this week. Uh, we've got the world cup starting up on, uh, Friday and, uh, uh Sunday, Sunday. Yeah. Crazy. I am crazy.
1: Yeah, sorry. I, I've been doing the scheduling for the uh, world cup at the, uh, the brewery. So I'm very intimately aware of the dates right now. Sunday
0: at, uh, yes. Sunday. Qatar, Ecuador opens the, the tournament, obviously you got to have the host teams starting things off. Yep. Uh, and then, the, uh, Monday is when the rest of the festivities, uh, kick off with, uh, USA Wales, England, Iran, and, uh, Senegal, Netherlands, uh, yeah. not, not, not bad games.
1: No, all of those sound pretty tasty. It's going to be a fun second day of the tournament. Uh, Menace Brewing is going to be open at 8 o'clock every morning to show every game from 8 o'clock on and replaying the 2 a.m. and 5 a.m. games. If you want to come join me, I'll probably be there. So, yeah.
0: And I've got to figure out how I'm going to stream some of these at work.
1: (laughs) Uh, Fubo, so it's all on the Fox Networks. Uh, We're definitely relying on Fubo for our, our getting those streams out. Uh, if you have mm-hmm. Peacock and you're not too particular about language, Peacock has all the Spanish language World Cup games. Ah.
0: so so Fox or Peacock, that, I I I think I can get to all the, to yeah. those games then. Shouldn't be an issue there. What I really want is to have just like a projector set up and just, just stream all the games onto one of the walls at of the office. You should.
1: I don't think I I think that would be a a morale boost for your uh, co workers. I think so
0: as well. I think maybe that game uh, that falls on Black Friday, oh. the U.S. England game, uh, that's a uh, that's when I'm definitely going to have to get get playing at at the office. Yeah, I'm yeah. not sure what time that one that one starts.
1: Eleven o'clock.
0: Ah, oh, we get all the good time slots. On yeah, there.
1: it's actually really nice. The U.S. actually has all of their games pretty much at eleven o'clock, which makes it makes it easy for us uh most of the good games are are good games. I sorry for anyone who has uh, other routine, but most of the more interesting <laughs> games fall in that eight o'clock or eleven o'clock slot uh the most of the two a m to five a m games are games I wouldn't mind watching recorded so
0: <laughs> okay good yeah
1: there are a couple Could, couple good ones on that five o'clock slot, but not too many.
0: but you don't get excited about South Korea, Ghana. Yeah. Or, oh, there's a two, there's those, yeah, those 2 a.m. ones, Tunisia, Australia. Mm. Yeah.
1: I've been looking at the schedule very, very minutely. And I mean, there are games that, I mean, like that South, the, the South Korea Ghana actually sounds very fascinating to me. I'd love to watch it, but I mean, it's not a wake up at two o'clock in the morning fascination.
0: Yeah. Well, it, it is going to be fun despite all the extra stuff that's going along with this, uh, location for the tournament. Uh, I still get kind of excited.
1: Yeah, no, it's, a. I hate the fact that FIFA has me like this where uh. I, I, I actually really do despise FIFA. There's a lot of problems with this one, which again, I think, I think we're going to try and schedule a whole episode where we talk a little bit about it, but, uh, but I still just get giddy like a school kid when, uh, when the world cup comes around, it's so many good memories. I, you know, uh, FIFA, the video game has the world cup mode, which I've been playing through with some of my favorite teams and just playing the world cup. I'm Mm -hmm. watching a bunch of documentaries right now, just getting super excited, even though there are definitely some problems with it, but it's still, (laughs) still got me.
0: Well, uh, we'll we'll be covering as much as we, we can um, during our next few episodes and uh, just kind of touching base on how our Arsenal players are doing and, and get some input from you guys as we, uh, you know, reach out to some of our um, correspondents and try to get them on board for some episodes as we uh, go along here for the next few weeks, so. Uh, we'll, we'll be back uh, next week with some some more uh, World Cup talk and get you some other inputs as well. Uh, but for now, I think that's it for this week's episode. Uh, thank you for sticking with us and uh, listening to this one. And if you haven't already, review and subscribe wherever you're, where you're uh, s- streaming, I guess it's not. <laughs> wherever you're listening to it right now, that, that is where you should go and uh, review it. And... Uh, hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. A uh, theme song comes from Bobcat. Their album, No Course to Follow, can be found at their website, bobc.at. Go check them out. Uh, and uh, again, if you want to send in a question, uh, we've got a few ways to do that, but you uh, you already heard those, but you definitely send us some questions as we go through the next few weeks. Uh, we we'll definitely want your uh, input to, to help Uh, give us some content to talk about. And uh, as as Arsenal players get into the World Cup, I'm sure there will be some some questions that come up. But uh, for now, uh, that is all for us this week. So as always,
1: see you at the next gun show.